0: Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the Gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come now to this sort of climactic Sunday of Advent, the fourth Sunday of Advent. We are anticipating uh, Christmas. Something I've said many times, anyone that's been following my work knows, as long as we approach Jesus abstractly, we're not going to understand him correctly. Now, what I mean is, as long as we see him simply as a teacher of timeless spiritual truths and moral principles, and that's the way, frankly, he's seen by many people in the West today, they'll say, oh yeah, Jesus, he's great. You know, he teaches love and nonviolence. And so, and he reminds me of the great Sufi poets, and he reminds me of Hindu mystics and Jewish rabbis, et cetera. But see, as long as we approach him just that way, we won't come close to appreciating fully what he means. Again, mind you, I'm not saying those things; can, those connections can't be made. I mean, you can distill some of these teachings from from what Jesus says. But if that's all he is, we're not getting what makes him really interesting the new testament authors so paul the gospel writers etc consistently reach to the old testament for their categories of understanding right so that's, that's that was their thought world was what we call the old testament they would have called it the torah the law and the prophets hence we hear throughout the new testament jesus is the torah in person he's the new and definitive temple He's the prophet par excellence. He's the fulfillment of the covenant, etc., right? Those are all great Israelite themes. And they saw Jesus as the fulfillment of all of these elements. Okay. But one of the most important of these Old Testament points of reference is, of course, the Mashiach, the anointed one, the Messiah. And that's to say, the new David, right? Because David was was uh, paradigmatically the Mashiach because the prophet Samuel pours oil on his head. That's what Mashiach means, the anointed one. The Greek renders that as Christos, doesn't it? Hence, we get Christ. That's why the Gospel of Matthew commences with a genealogy meant to evoke David. Jesus is frequently referenced in the Gospels as the son of David. Again and again, he's referred to as Mashiach. Think of of Paul here now, calls him all the time Christos Jesus, right? Christ Jesus, the Mashiach Jesus. He's presented to as the king of Israel, the one who sits on the throne of David. So I mean, all these Davidic overtones. Now, take another step. We recall that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and can I urge you, by the way, take out your Bibles. Open up to 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's one of the most pivotal passages in the Bible. Because in 2 Samuel 7, God promises to David, the great king, a succession that would last forever. David's kingship through his family, that's the point, would be extended for all time. From his line would come the definitive Mashiach who would reign over Israel and finally over all the nations of the world. To Samuel 7. Now, as the... Old Testament continues to reflect on the significance of 2 Samuel 7, we find these refinements. The Mashiach would be indeed a human figure, a descendant of David, but also mysteriously, a divine figure. Daniel the prophet, we just heard this recently in in the liturgy, prophesies one like a son of man, Okay, a human figure, but who's also ruling on the clouds of heaven. Well, that's a divine reference. Read now in a lot of the other prophets. What do you find? That this great son of David, this human king, would come and shepherd his people. But at the same time, mysteriously through this human figure, God will come and shepherd his people. Now, with that very rich background in mind, we turn to the text of the New Testament. See, this is precisely what they saw in Jesus. That the king, the long-awaited king, this son of David, who would also be at the same time mysteriously a divine figure, that king had finally come. This is why, for example, St. Luke is so eager to tell us that the city of Jesus' birth was Bethlehem of Judea. Why is that so important? Well, little Bethlehem was David's town. It was the city of David. And the prophet Micah, seven centuries before the coming of Christ, had famously prophesied about the birth of the new David. And we hear it now in our first reading for this fourth Sunday of Advent. Listen. You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. He's predicting the new David. He's predicting the Mashiach, this divine and human figure who would rule Israel. Now, keep listening to Micah from our first reading, because he says what a lot of the other prophets say, that in ruling Israel, this figure, would also by extension be the ruler of the whole world. Listen now to Micah. He shall stand firm and shepherd his flock by the strength of the Lord. For now his greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth. He shall be peace. Now, just think for a second. If all we're talking about here is a little tribal figure who's going to rule this little nation at the eastern end of the Mediterranean, why would you have said things like this? He'll, he'll shepherd his flock by the strength of the Lord, but then his greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth, and he shall be peace. That means peace among the nations, peace over the whole world. This, everybody, is Christ the King, whom we celebrated a few weeks ago. This is the one to whom our final allegiance is due. The one meant to be Lord of every aspect of our lives. Not a mere spiritual teacher. They're they're not kings of of our whole life, but this one is. This Mashiach, this new David. Now, take another step. David was king, to be sure, but he was also priest. We see this especially, keep your Bibles open to 2 Samuel, because you see it there. When David's introduction of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem is described, we hear that finding the Ark in the hill country of Judah, David dons the ephod, that's the characteristic garment of the temple priest, and then dancing with abandon brings the Ark into the holy city making it the place of right praise for Israel. In calling Jesus the new David, as they consistently do, the New Testament writers also intended this meaning. He's king, he's also priest. Okay, okay, now, with all that in mind, because, see friends, when you approach the New Testament, you got to remember, it's written for people who would have had the Old Testament swimming in their minds and hearts. You know what I mean? Part of the problem, this is a sermon for another day, but part of the problem is we don't have that anymore, naturally. And so we don't read the texts the way they're meant to be read. So with all that Davidic business in mind, let's look with fresh eyes at this marvelous gospel for today, the story of the visitation, because it's filled with these Davidic, kingly and priestly themes. At the Annunciation, as Luke tells the story, the angel says to Mary that the child to be conceived in her would be the fulfillment of the prophecy in 2 Samuel 7. Listen. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever And of his kingdom there will be no end. We ain't talking here about some little human worldly king, are we? Reigning over the house of Jacob forever. See, and with that magnificent prophecy still ringing in her ears, Mary sets out to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who we hear was from a priestly family and who was married to Zechariah, who was a temple priest. Moreover, and see, what attentive Jewish reader in the first century would have missed this. Where do they live? They live in the hill country of Judah. That's precisely where David found the Ark, the bearer of God's presence. To that same hill country now comes Mary. Who's Mary? The definitive and final Ark of the Covenant. The one who is, in the richest possible sense, bearing the presence of God. And therefore, how wonderful that Elizabeth is the first to proclaim the fullness of the gospel. Listen, how does it happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's not saying that the mother of a prophet, the mother of a teacher, the mother of a wise figure, the mother of a military or political hero is coming. She's saying the mother of my Lord should come to me. Adonai, she would have said it in in Hebrew. That's the word used for the God of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant in the hill country of Judah in David's time is now being echoed by the definitive Ark of the Covenant in the hill country of Judah now at the visitation. And now we'll understand more fully with all this Davidic business in mind. The second part of her great statement to Mary, listen, at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. This, everybody, is the unborn John the Baptist doing his version of David's dance before the Ark of the Covenant, his great act of worship of the new king. See, all in the typically Jewish manner, all these themes are meant to be swimming around in our minds and hearts on this fourth Sunday of Advent. They're all leading us to think, David, David, David. Christ, the Mashiach, Jesus, priest and king, has come. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.